Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I am the founder of Teach the Geek. I work with technical professionals so they can present more effectively, especially in front of non-technical audiences. And you can learn more about that at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, a comment would be great. And if you're listening to the podcast, a review would be wonderful as well. Today, my guest is Laura Burford. And I met her a few weeks ago, and I thought her story was pretty interesting. So I really wanted to have her on the podcast to go into it. So welcome to Teach the Geek Interviews, Laura. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Wonderful. Speaking is not always the easiest thing for technical people. Oh, 100%. I mean, the, I started this whole Teach the Geek thing because of my own struggles working as an engineer, having to give presentations in front of management and just not being all that great at it. And I've done over almost 300 episodes so far. So there's certainly other people <laughs> that are willing to talk to me about their struggles and what they did to get better for sure. So from the bit of research I did on you, I saw that you worked in IT for quite some time. So I'm kind of curious why IT and, and what kind of work did you do when you when you worked in IT? I actually started out um, working kind of between IT and business management because I had a technical background. I understood computers and I understood applications and business. So I kind of started between being that liaison between the two. How's that? Um, because I could figure out why things weren't working. And many times, as you know, it comes down to communication. I, I tell the story once in a while where I was called in for a problem and it came down to people did not understand um, the format of a check. So when they were given specs by the business people, the technical people had no idea what they were talking about and they kind of just guessed. So that's kind of where I started, but I have managed large technical projects, both the software, the hardware, um, teams, and I'm saying teams of up to 400 people. And I've started consulting operations that were all technical consulting operations before going out on my own. Yeah. So, uh, always put in the position that I had to figure out how to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely an issue. If I, I think even for, you know, as I mentioned, you know, working in, in engineering or product development as, as the engineer, you have all this technical expertise, but it's sometimes it can be rather difficult to explain what you're doing, even to non-technical people, many of whom are decision makers. And if they don't know what you're doing and they can't understand, then the answer is no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I got to, and I actually, when I was work, working and had to present to management or teams of people, loved it when I had a whiteboard like I have behind me, because I would get up and I would start drawing to help explain what was going on. And you could see the light bulbs going off, because sometimes as you drew, people could ask questions and you could get that communication going. So, some, so one of the things I learned to do early on is how to hone my presentation skills with pictures. Because pictures sometimes speak a, speak a thousand words. 
Oh, yeah. I, I could definitely see how that could be helpful because especially if you're using a bunch of words that, that people don't understand, well, maybe they, they'll understand a picture better than the words that you're using to describe the picture. <laughs> Funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. They'll understand why things aren't working right or what they need to say so that things do work right. You know, it's kind of a combination there. Yeah. One other thing that, that jumped out to me when I was looking through your background is your your work in project management. So a bit of a story from 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 me. I worked as a, a product development engineer for a while, and at my second job, the my boss called me into his office and said I was going to be a project lead, and I didn't know what that meant. But essentially, the company didn't have project managers, so they you they used the project the product development engineers in a, in a way to fulfill that responsibility, and that's why I was giving those project status updates in front of management on a, on a monthly basis. That's what I had to do as a project lead. I wasn't all that great at it at first, but I certainly got a lot better at it over time. So when I realized what this project lead role had, what it, what it essentially was and, and its length to project management, a couple of the engineers, well, a few of the engineers and I, and well, including myself, we, we decided to embark on a certificate in project management. And so we got the certificate going to these classes at night. And then when we're done the certificate, a few of us decided to go and get the, the PMP, the Project Management mm -hmm. Professional uh, Certification. So I did that maybe about, I don't know, 10 years ago now. And every, you know, I guess, I guess every other year they, they, they ask me for money and I pay it, to, even, though, even though I'm not even a PMP. I'm not, I'm not working <laughs> as a project manager or anything, but I figured I spent all that time and doing the, the, getting the certificate and then studying to take the, the PMP exam, which wasn't all that easy from what I from what I remember. So I figured, well, just keep the credential. But I'm just curious, what's your what was your entry into project management and and what types of, of, of projects did you manage when you were one? Oh. My entry into project management, I was with PWC, what is now known as PWC. So I was managing projects. And needless to say I wasn't certified because when I started started in project management, many people weren't certified. That wasn't the thing, I hate to say it, the thing to do. And people weren't looking for those credentials. But I had a lot of training in project management because I worked for PwC and we were constantly being trained in techniques and what we should do, what's good, what's bad, and, um, and how to communicate with people. And part of what they taught was how to present which was really important, uh, which you don't get necessarily when you take the PMP exam. I don't think you had it, how to present in front of management. Uh, and they talked about status reports, but not really how to present. What's the best things to do? How are the best ways to communicate? And that's something that I had to learn myself. And one of the things that I learned early on as I was being educated in project management was was so important to practice yeah yeah practice, practice. yeah practice, practice certainly is important and it, it's funny you mentioned the, the the you know getting your pmp and the importance of of, of giving presentations yeah that, that that wasn't something that was emphasized in in the exam and yeah. i actually i remember so before i, I took the exam i did a, a boot camp at one of the the PMI local chapters, I was living in Orange County, Orange County, California at the time, and one of the women that was in the boot camp with me, she had been a project manager for 
easily 15, 20 years. So she'd been, she'd been doing this job for a long time, but I guess she figured getting the PMP would be, I guess, make her more, I guess, uh, well, not suitable, but, but, you know, certain jobs even now require that you have, you need to have the PMP or they, they greatly appreciate it. I guess it's one of the requirements or one of the qualifications. So we were in this class together and I mentioned she'd been doing it for years and I've been doing it for, I don't know, maybe two or three. So I had been doing it for as long. But then when it came time to take the test, she she couldn't pass it. She I think she took it like twice and 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 failed it both times. And I think and then I heard later on that oftentimes people who have been doing project management for a long time, they had a lot of issues taking this test and passing it because I mean they know what they know. And now you, they have to read this 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 body of work, this body of knowledge, the PIMBOK. And they have to learn what the pin box says the answer is, as opposed to what they've been doing this, you know, for 20 plus years. And then and taking this test is really difficult as, as opposed to someone like me that hasn't been doing it that long. Well, the pin box says that. Okay. That's the answer there. <laughs> go take this test. Yeah. And again, what I would tell people who had ton, a lot of experience and they wanted to get their PMP, nobody cares if you ace the PMP, all you're trying to do is pass. So put what you know on the back burner and just focus on passing the exam. Uh, maybe that's the wrong approach to take, but that's what I would tell people to, who had a lot of experience and wanted to get their PMB. Oh, 100%. I mean, those with perfectionist tendencies, they might have a, they might struggle with that, but that, that's not my issue at all. I, I went in there trying to pass the exam, and as long as I, I passed it and didn't have to look at that computer ever again, I was cool with that. Yeah. And you asked about my project management experience. I've managed small projects as well as large, what would be considered programs, as well as set up PMOs. And part of my consulting before I moved to doing what I'm doing now was setting up PMOs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Yeah. And one of the things that I handed to some of my key project managers was a checklist to help them with their presentation skills. It was one I made up. And I said, you know, if you're going to present, here's what I want you to practice and what I want you to test yourself on. And I even had uh, little sessions periodically that were set aside. So, okay, here, here's a room of your peers. You're going to present the status report to them just to get them into the swing of things. I'm sure that was very, I mean, just the sound of that would be really helpful in getting sort of such a checklist because now you don't have to create something from scratch. You just go down the list, especially if you're a technical person, you kind of probably even like that. Just, just go down, did I, did I hit that? Check, 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 check. All right, I'm good. This, this presentation yeah. would be useful. And, and you're getting feedback from your peers and hopefully your peers are open to providing good feedback because I would put, they had to do the same thing. They had to get up there. So you you want to make sure everybody's doing well when it comes to presenting. Hundred percent. But at some point, you decided to go off on your own and and do your own thing, Laura. What was the motivation to do that? A couple things. I went out on my own after nine eleven. Um, the practice that I was with it was a startup, and I had been recruited for the startup by the CEO of the corporation. We were doing well. But my main office was four and a half blocks from the World Trade Towers. So we were impacted quite a bit. And I decided that, you know, I always wanted my own business. That's what I said I was going to do when I graduated from college. And 
it just didn't happen because I was offered some great jobs. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm going to start my own consulting business. And it was an IT management consulting business. The difference was I was so accustomed to working with large corporations. I decided I didn't want to work with the large guys anymore. And I started working with smaller businesses. And um, the communication with smaller businesses is different than when you're working with a corporation, you're dealing with management in a corporation. So I had to learn how to change my tone as well as how I present. So I learned how it's so important to make sure you understand your audience and how you're presenting to your audience. Huh, that's interesting. So what would be what would be a difference between presenting or, or working with large corporations as opposed to smaller ones in terms of communication? I found it was wasn't as formal. It's much more low-keyed. Um, I also found that many of the business owners I was working with in the smaller businesses were not as afraid to ask questions. Maybe it was because it was their business where they had some ownership, really, truly ownership in the process. So they really did want to understand what was going on. That makes that makes a lot of sense, and I would think maybe at a larger biz, at a larger or organization, there could be a lot of people in the room. You don't want to look like an idiot asking a question that other people think is a dumb question, because now they're going to judge you, and you're not. And maybe perhaps you don't get the promotion and pay raise that you because they think that this person doesn't deserve it because they're not that bright because they ask dumb questions in meetings. <laughs> and, and I also found, and I I did this where I was working. At, a third party had asked me if I could help them out with a project that they had. And I said, sure. But um, I do, looking back, I do know that the one key person was very upset with me because we went into a meeting with the C that had the CEO and some key people there. And he had a presentation and I told him I wouldn't use the presentation he put together. And he said, why not? I said, it's a 20 page presentation. The CEO doesn't want a 20-page presentation. He wants one page, maybe two pages, but we're never going to get through this. And I pulled one page out. I said, this is the only page we're going, I'm going to use if you want me to present. And it was the page that had the agenda. So it had a couple bullet points of the topics that we needed to discuss. And my comments, we will leave him the rest of the slides. If he wants the slides, he can look through them. And his comment, the CEO's comment was, oh, no, I'll take the slides back. Let's let's just talk about the topics. So it really comes down to, again, knowing your audience and what they want. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, CEOs are busy people. So, I mean, time's money to them. So if you're going to be giving them a presentation, it, it better be worth it. And I think a lot of the times we we make these things way longer than they need to be. And and it's so, un it's so unfortunate. I remember when I used to give a presentation in front of, of management, I think they were maybe 10 minutes if that probably maybe mm -hmm. not even but because well during those those days we had to actually give presentations on all the projects that were going on at the company so the senior management was essentially sitting in a room for the day just listening to a bunch of sweaty engineers get up in front of them <laughs> talk about project updates <laughs> i'm sure it wasn't fun for them <laughs> they didn't want to know every detail they just wanted to know hey is there a is there one thing I need to know that for which you need help or are we on schedule or whatever? They had their own agenda. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But this person that had that's 20 page, 
was a technical person, a real nitty gritty technical person. And he had network diagrams. I'm like, the CEO doesn't care about that. He just wants to know. We'll talk. Yeah. 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 That's the problem a lot of us have. And, and knowing your audience certainly helps in, in figuring out what to include and, and what to leave out in the presentation. That's for sure. So when it comes to the work that you do now, Laura, uh, I guess, what is it and, and how do you help people? Well, let me turn this around and ask you a question. Um, have you ever met a person who has decided to go out on their own, start their own business? Uh, they have experience, they have expertise. I say they have their magic and they want to be a technical consultant of some kind. Maybe they are a chemical engineer. Maybe they're a network engineer or a software engineer. Um, and they get a client, which is great. Maybe the client was their old employer or somebody that was referred, but they get to a point where they stall. They don't have any more clients. They've had that one or two clients and then they stall. And they don't know what to do. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I definitely know such people. And, and yeah, when they first start off, when they first start off, they're getting a lot of, of referral business, a lot of word of mouth, but then you know, you can't really re rely on that. You have no control over who refers you and, and and who comes through word of mouth. And yeah, once that dries up, now, now what do you do? So yeah, I, I certainly know people that are in that situation. So what I do is I work with people who have decided that they want to become their own boss as a consultant and they have the experience and they have their expertise. I, I say people who have a project management background in some ways have a leg up because they know the proper ways to deliver but I work with people to help them clarify what I call their business core, which is their why, their what, their who, their how, or another way to look at it, their focus, ideal client, and something that I call their point of view. It's not their value prop, but your point of view is how you help your clients achieve what they want to achieve, how you take that pain away. So I help them with their business core. I help them build relationships and market themselves. And then we talk about engaging with the client, the sales aspect. Um, and I help them get a framework in place so that they're successful as a consultant. But I take the approach that less is actually more. You don't have to do everything some people are telling you have to do. But you do have to have that basic foundation in place so that you can get clients or create clients as you're working with clients and not become frustrated, overwhelmed, and say, why in the world am I doing this? So that you as a consultant can live life on your own terms. So that's what I do. Yeah. So I help people succeed as their own consultant. Yeah, I, I could see how that could be helpful because as I mentioned, once that that that, that the, the referrals stop coming as often as they did and, and the word of mouth isn't as strong as it used to be now, now you got to figure out what to do. And a lot of times it, it has to do with, well, you need to get out there and let people know about what you do, <laughs> you know, you have, and, and you have control over that, which I think is, is a good thing. Yeah, you have control. And what I watch people do is they get out there and they say, well, I have to create all this content and I have to spend all this time on LinkedIn and I have to do this and that. And I say, whoa, take a step back. Take a step back. You don't have the basics in place first. And some of the basics are, what do you want to be known for? As a technical person, what do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known as the best person who knows how to put an infrastructure, network infrastructure in place? 
what do you want to be known for? Um, you know, before I went out on my own, I was known, people knew me for the fact that I knew how to set up a consulting operation. I can get you up and I can get you running. Once you're up and running, I usually disappear because, you know, everything's now, that framework's in place. Yeah, you need modifications here or there. Or when I was setting up PMOs, I'm getting you up and I'm getting you running, getting you established. Um, but I watch people really listen to this, listen to that. And I'm saying, no, let's take a step back. Let's deal with your business core. What do you want to be known for? Who is your ideal client? Where can you find them? Let's focus on marketing you. And let's focus on marketing you with what I call some basic credibility and essentials. You have some stories. You have some testimonials. You don't need a fancy website. But what you do need to do is you need to get out and network where you can find your ideal client and they can find you. You have to spend some time doing some targeted or direct outreach and you have to personalize things. You don't want to spam people. And you want to build relationships with people who can refer people to you so that you have some decent partners. Once you have that in place, now you can start dealing with some of the other things. Now you can start, if you want to start a YouTube channel, you want to write every week, you can do that. But let's get some basics in place. And I'll tell you, nine times out of 10, the people who are really struggling, they don't have that, what I call their business core solid, or they're spending a lot of time spinning their wheels and marketing themselves when they don't have the fundamentals in place. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could see that. And like you know, I mentioned what you do totally sounds like it, it makes sense. You know, you earlier you'd mentioned that when it came to people giving presentations, you presented them with a checklist. So that sounds like a process to me. So when it comes to giving presentations, do you have a process? And and if so, what is it? I do have a process. And um I will be really honest, right before we got on the call, I raced the process off the board for a presentation I'm giving <laughs> um, off the whiteboard. I do have a process. I um, have a checklist of everything that needs to be in a presentation. I stick to three points, no more than three points in a presentation because people aren't gonna remember more than three things, you know that. So there's three things. I, um, Make it a point that whenever I design a presentation, I'm just speaking a couple things off the top of my head. It always starts being very clear with what the agenda is, what I expect people to get out of it. And the one thing that I want them, one thing at a minimum, I want them to walk away with. Before I start a presentation, whether it's in person or over a Zoom or some other web method. I try to open it up to some conversation to get some feedback from people to get them engaged because I want people engaged. So as I write a presentation, it's a lot easier to get people engaged when you're in person than when you're on Zoom. At least I find it is because people on Zoom can turn themselves off, you know, uh, but if it's a presentation that I'm giving, that I'm hosting on Zoom, I cap it so that it's a little bit more intimate. 
I cover those three points. I always make sure that there's a giveaway of some kind at the end. And um, some type of call to action is included. But I always make sure that there's, even though I say there's three, no more than three points, there's still some overarching theme that is there. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right about the difference between a virtual and on site when it comes to engaging with people. Because, yes, in, in virtual, you can turn your camera off. You don't even know if the person's even there listening. But I mean, when you're in person and you ask somebody a question, you're looking right at them like you, gray shirt guy. <laughs> I asked you a question. <laughs> Get off your phone. <laughs> or wake right. up. <laughs> yes, that's that's 100% right. So for the people. <laughs> The, the people who are, are are listening or watching this conversation, Laura, and, and they want to get better at giving presentations or public speaking generally, what was the number one tip that you could offer them? Um, if you're giving a presentation, being very clear as to what the goal of the presentation is, what the aim, that's the overarching theme. No more than three points in it. But the main thing is, even if you write it and you have it out, Practice it. Practice it. Every time I give a presentation, I practice it before I actually give it. And it's very easy to do it nowadays because you could do it using Zoom. Most people have a camera of some kind, right? You can put it up and you can record yourself. So whether you're in person or you're online, record yourself. Go through the presentation. If it is a 30-minute presentation, I expect to see a 30-minute video. If it's an hour, I expect to see an hour video. And then modify it. If you can, depending on who you're giving the presentation for, ask some people to listen to it and get some feedback from them. And I actually have a checklist that I give them. Are, are you surprised, Neil, that I have a checklist that I give them? And I ask them to say, did I hit these points? Yeah. Did you walk away with this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, practice is important. And I actually have a friend who used to give me a hard time about practicing because he does love his presentations off the cuff. And I know that, at least I know that there's a big difference. When you practice a presentation, you figure out how, what, what needs to go where. And because when, when when you just do it off the cuff, it comes out as it comes out. And if you're talking to a, to people who aren't at the same level as you in terms of the expertise on the topic, they may get lost in, in the presentation. But if you practice it and, and get the feedback, like you said, then you, you figure out this is the best way that I, to, to present this information so that this particular audience can actually take it in and, and understand it. So it's not a waste of time for me. It's not a waste of time for them. And it's a win-win all, all around. I, I firmly believe in that. And, and again, you know, this has been a great conversation, Laura. Thank you so much for being a guest. How can people get in touch with you? You can uh, get in touch with me a couple ways. One, you can drop me an email. It's really easy to drop me an email. My email address is laura at lauraburford.com. Super easy. You can get in touch with me on LinkedIn or you can get in touch with me um, if you want consulting insights by just going to my website, which is Laura's Consulting Guide. There are free resources there for consultants and there's a link to my email 
uh, not my email, to my newsletter. And there's also a link to the YouTube channel, which provides consulting insights. Wonderful. Well, everyone that marks the end of another edition of Teach the Geek interviews, my name is Neil Thompson. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. I work with technical professionals so they can present more effectively, especially in front of non-technical audiences. And you can learn more about that at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. Well, everyone, that marks another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like these episodes and want to support Teach the Geek, please subscribe, share, and like on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Or on all of them. Also, if you prefer to watch the episodes, head on over to the YouTube channel at youtube.teachthegeek.com. Until next time.